in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 197. The one you've been waiting for. The one Jim and Dan promised but never delivered on. Or said they delivered on but lost the episode. It all ends here. <laughs> Absolutely. We are talking tonight about the uh, seminal Green Lantern uh, event that changed things for a long time back in the 90s. That put Hal Jordan on the path to darkness. We are talking about Emerald Twilight tonight. Wee! <laughs> That's your new favorite sound effect, I think. I guess so. <laughs> so uh, we got a little bit of a... Uh, we're reading two different trades, I think, uh, uh, as far as covering it. So Mark says he's got a, uh, an intro in his that I don't have in mine. So uh, what's that intro all about? All right, here is the intro. This was from the inside cover of the original Emerald Twilight graphic novel, which uh, really doesn't matter. I'm trying to get the copyright. Not that it matters all that much, but it appeared actually this came out in 1994, so pretty it pretty much came out shortly thereafter from, from the actual issues. Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and there came an Emerald Dawn. Hal Jordan was born and raised in Coast City. There he worked as a test pilot, met his girlfriend. His parents were buried there. When a dying alien gave Hal a power ring, he became part of the Green Lantern Corps, created by the Guardians of the Universe. Coast City had Green Lantern, just as Metropolis had Superman and Gotham City had Batman. Hal was the best, always following orders, and he often led the Corps in its interplanetary quest to combat evil, even against Sinestro, a rogue Green Lantern. Sometimes Hal disagreed with the Guardians, but he always believed they had the greater good in mind. But there is a limit beyond which no man can be pushed. An alien conqueror named Mongol mercilessly destroyed Coast City and its 7 million inhabitants. Hal defeated Mongol, but that could not bring back Coast City. That could not bring back the place where Hal Jordan had lived and worked and loved. And there came an emerald twilight. Yeah, um, just a little bit of extra backstory on that. Because the Mongol thing, for those of you who don't realize, because I know we have some people out there new to Green Lantern... Uh, maybe came in with the New 52 or maybe started with the Jeff Johns run and never actually went back and actually read Emerald Twilight. The whole Mongol thing wasn't direct like a Green Lantern storyline. That was a result of the uh, death of Superman uh, and the reign of Superman story arc. What had happened was Superman fought Doomsday in the 90s, as everybody knows, uh, and lost that fight and, you know, quote-unquote died, uh, using uh, to uh, paraphrase Dan there, uh, Air Bunnies. Uh, <laughs> he, he was dead, but he got better. That's right. Uh, and while he was dead, four new, um, again, Air Bunnies, Supermen showed up, uh, one of which was a uh, half-man, half-cyborg. Uh, uh, one was uh, the, uh, turned out to be the Eradicator, right? It looked like yes, Superman. Last son of Krypton. Last son of Krypton. That's what they called him. There you go. Um, another was uh, Steel, uh, and another was Superboy, which is a clone of uh, was a clone of Superman. But at the time, they were all claiming to be the genuine article Superman. 
Well, except for Steel, technically, it, Steel never actually claimed to be the. He was the only one who didn't really try to fit. He tried to do the job, but he never pretended to be the guy, if you will. That's true. Um, and in in all of this, the cyborg version turned out to be, of course, Cyborg Superman that we all know. Uh, whose real name, Mark? Hank Henshaw. There you go. That was drawing a blank on me for some stupid reason. Hank Henshaw, who is a uh, an astronaut who is kind of, um, let's say, Fantastic Four gone wrong. His, yeah, it's kind of like an evil Reed Richards, if you will. Yeah, his his him and his crew were exposed to some deadly rays uh, or some cosmic force, and uh, they, you know, his wife started becoming invisible. He started slowly deteriorating and kind of consciousness incorporating into machines so on and so forth well he somehow you know views all of this as superman's fault so he projected i think the way it went was he projected his consciousness into the uh orbiting ship uh Cal- Cal-El's baby ship basically yeah, the, the birthing matrix yeah the birthing as, as they as they phrased it during that version of, of superman's origin and because he had access to some of cal's dna and the actual kryptonian metal of the birthing matrix he basically concocted himself into cyborg superman as we know him he ran into mongol and uh you know on war world and you know they all got together and him and mongol basically destroyed coast city well didn't basically they did they destroyed coast city uh and then it, it was right after the destruction of coast city that superman the re- the genuine article came back and where we pick up even though even though there's an issue i think there's an issue in in reign of the superman or whatever uh that actually hal and cal team up to take on mongol basically in- yeah, and Green Lantern 46 is kind of like – Green Lantern 46 kind of tells the same kind of story – basically the same story that's being told in Superman 82 except you see it more from just Hal's point of view. Hal's part of the story. Right. But essentially you could skip over that issue without to, – to what we're going to be covering tonight uh, without reading that one issue. This is basically – Let's say Superman – you don't have to know that Hal was involved in taking out Mongol. Uh, let's say Superman did it himself. This is Hal just we, – we, we open with him sitting in the smoking crater of Coast City. So uh, you want to start with your first issue, Mark? I reckon I can do that. And we should point out that, yes, while he's sitting, he's sitting in the crater that was Coast City, we also have to point out – one, and we can talk more about this after we go through the issues that – from a continuity point of view, one of the in, one of the little hitches, and we'll talk, and, and there are reasons why for this. That people, one of the reasons people were so upset f- from the get-go w- when this storyline started was because we had issue forty-seven in between the destruction of Coast City and this storyline, in which Hal pretty much was just, it just on the surface was just another Hal uh, Ollie team up. Yeah, and it really, and it seemed like Hal was. And it seemed like, okay, Coast City got destroyed, but Hal was just kind of like moving on with his life. And then you kind of end up in the beginning of this story arc where things have obviously changed. Yeah. Probably, probably the denial phase for Hal. Probably. I mean, that, that from a psychological point of view, they could they really could have explained it that way. I just think as we will, as we will talk about when we give an overview of this and just look at the – the impact and everything and it, it is one of the things people go back to about you know from the trans transitioning from point a to b maybe a lot of people's issues more than the actual storyline or where they wanted to go with this at some point so uh this is actually green lantern 48 
And this is Emerald Twilight Part 1, The Past. And we see Hal Jordan on his knees holding his arm, which is which is in a constructed sling because he actually damaged both his knee and his arm when he fought Mongol during the end of the reign of the Superman. He's sitting there pretty much like a 12-mile uh, in, di- in diameter crater where Coast City used to be. And this pretty much was Hal Jordan's life, and now it's just, just a hole. We have an interest, a very interesting and relevant uh, description because it kind of bookends this issue that's Says sometimes some time ago a man, which is Abin Sir, dropped from the stars. He was dying. His last act was to bequeath Hal Jordan a wondrous ring. The power of the ring knows few strictures. Truly it is bounded bounded only by the will of its bearer. With such a ring you could do anything if you wanted it if you wanted to badly enough. Now while that is description is being uh, on the two pages here, while that's being written, you see how Raising his ring into the air, and he creates an energy construct bubble over what was Coast City, and he essentially starts recreating Coast City. Of course, the first person Hal interacts with is his father. His father kind of notices his broken arm, and Hal says, "Oh, it's really nothing now, and it, you know it's kind of healed anyway." With that, you know the energy constructed sling goes off of Hal's arm. You know, Hal tries to engage his father in conversation. He's kind of p- pointing out that. Well, they basically he's going back to his father issues with which we really don't see played up much in the current sto- current versions of Green Lantern, but that there were some issues with Hal and his father that Hal never really got the trust, I mean, never got the approval, I should say, of his father. That his father always seemed to basically fawn over Jack and Jim, but it kind of gave Hal a hard time because he was quote unquote a space case, but he just never gave him the approval that he wanted. And Hal kind of while they're having this while they're having this conversation, or Hal and the energy constructed Martin Jordan, you know, Hal kind of has you know his seems like for a moment he's like the Hal that we we, we kind of know the confident Hal. He goes, you know, a space case. That's what you thought of me. Well, why don't you take a look at what this that space case turned into? You didn't give me one damn bit of encouragement, and I'm a hero now. No thanks to you. Do you have any idea the things I've done? And it's and the. And his father says, like what, Hal? You didn't do much to save Coast City, did you? That kind of shuts Hal up and touches a nerve. And he goes, goodbye, Hal. I have a plane to catch. And then you see Martin Jordan going off, walking off into the green mist, going into his plane, which, of course, his Ferris aircraft, which is what he was in when when he died, and it blows up again in front of Hal. Hal's witnessing all this, and he made the point of before it happened of saying, "I, you know, come back. I can't go through that again. I don't, I don't want to see it again." An energy constructed version of Hal's mother comes over to, to comfort him. She kind of points out that that you know Hal's father wasn't the easiest man to love, but he was a good man. And she also says more than once the fact that you know, you can't keep carrying this around inside of you, Hal. It's going to poison you. You have to leave it behind. And she points out that she did. And then later on, as as the energy construct of her of his mom begins to leave. She points out, that's what I really wanted to tell you. The loss you feel, the pain you're holding on to, they're dangerous things, and they could ruin you if you don't let them go. You know, Hal kind of comments, you know, I don't want memories, damn it, they're not enough. So you kind of get the first sign of Hal cross, you know, maybe that he's, maybe he's gone a little too beyond, uh, beyond the point of being able to just come back with some, you know, reassurance by his mother or anything else at this point. Now we... Uh, we see Hal's basically floating through the reconstructed Coast City. We kind of have a, again, a pretty, not even, it, it's not even subtle. It's completely direct about what we're going to see happen soon with Hal. That 
about the power he has, you know, the power to make the dead live again, to readdress any wrong, to rewrite history with a happy ending, the power to be God. Hal has an interaction with Jennifer, who was apparently his first girlfriend, and they have a relatively nice conversation about uh, kind of like re- talking about the good times that they had, how maybe you know how maybe things could have been different. And of course, in the midst of this, Hal, you know, use but he does his Green Lantern thing. He rescues a you know a kitten out of a tree. You know, they they continue talking, and then Hal come you know gets unfortunately the less than happy ending when he finds out that Jennifer was actually in Coast City when Mongol. And the and cyborg Superman destroyed it. Uh, Hal ends up back at his house. He walks in, and who's sitting there, basically at the kitchen table, is his father. His father, conveniently, interestingly enough, mentions his arm again, which I think kind of throws Hal off since they just had that conversation. He goes, "It's it's fine, Dad." They're sitting there at the table, and it seems to have a breakthrough moment where Martin Jordan goes, "You know, every the thing that you've done here, everybody everybody appreciates it." You know, this is quite an accomplishment. You know, maybe I've never said this before. Maybe I should have. But, you know, I'm and before I, Martin Jordan can say that he's actually proud of how he starts to fade away. The construct of Coast City fades away. The dome fades away. And we find out that Hal's ring has run out of charge. And Hal is to say he's livid is an exaggeration. He's like, no, not now. It's not fair. Without a ho- uh, hologram of one of the Guardians pops up in the sky and says fairness is not the issue 2814 you know, your power limit has expired you know you've you need to surrender your ring to return to Owa for disciplinary action because you have violated our most sacred canon you have used your ring for personal gain hal says you know personal gain what about per, what about personal loss and he starts trying to he kind of lashes out but he's trying to you know get them to understand understands and goes discussion was not invited surrender your ring 2814 and prepare for transport to oa you kind of have the uh quintessential how crossing the line moment when he goes i want more power and slams his fist into the hologram of the guardian and absorbs the power off of it and then you have the very cool moment when he goes oh i'll come back to oa all right but you're not going to like me when i get there then we revisit the, the description again about Abin Sur giving him the ring and it uh, pretty much you could do anything you wanted if you wanted to badly, badly enough. You see a super determined look on Hal Jordan's face as he flies off. With that, you, have, you see first you just see a hand pointing to the sky. Hey, look at that, a falling star. It goes, no, no, but it, it's going the wrong way for a falling star. And we see who will be know, who we will know so shortly as Kyle Rayner and his girlfriend Alex – on the beach, pretty much watching Hal fly off to his destiny. And that ends part one. The, the description in the original issue said, Emerald Twilight continues. The Guardians send the, the GLs against Hal. The core no more. And before I start my part, damn, Alex is hot. Yeah, they draw. Her face could have looked a little better yeah. there, but her body was really good. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, actually, I'm going to start this one off just by reading this whole page right here. Yeah, this... Yeah, this in, this issue is just I all the issues in this is from from a taking to the scribe point of view are really good and I and this issue especially with the payoff at the end when you relate it to the narration is great. Yeah, and I'm reading from a trade, y'all. So if you hear pages turning, that's that's what that is. That's uh, the, the trades are a little louder than regular issues. <laughs> and I should say the same, even though my trade is a little thinner because I only have. I don't have the Kyle issues with it, but still, I, I if you heard me flipping, it's the same thing. <laughs> so we uh, open where we left off. Hal is headed towards Oa. 
And the uh, caption on this page reads, Too bad it had to happen this way. Hal Jordan was, by most accounts, the best of the Green Lantern Corps. He served the Guardians with distinction, if not always complete obedience. A short time ago, he suffered a great personal tragedy. Nearly all he once cherished was reduced to so much cinder and ash. And in his grief, Hal Jordan became a dangerous man. The Guardians sought to punish him, strip him of his ring, but their efforts only spurred him to greater defiance. So he set off for Oa, intent on de- on de- on detaining. Yeah. Uh, no, intent on obtaining vast power from the Guardians so that he might recreate all he had lost. Truly a mad errand. And uh, we open up with basically how encountering various lanterns along his way. Uh, right now we he is going up against Kihan and uh, Laria, and they are you know you know trying to fight him off. Laria's trying to talk talk some sense into him. You know it's my honor that I'm serving them. I've sworn allegiance to them. And she, he says, well then you're a fool. They're using you like they used me for so long. Uh, then. Uh, Hal grabs Lara, throws her in the key hand, and starts taking taking their rings. And Lara's asking, "Why? Why are you? Why are you doing this? Why are you fighting those who made you what you are?" And he says, "Because they made me a slave, and all I've got to show for it is a big hole in the ground." Um, so he says, "I'm through being the servant." So he grabs key hand and Lara's ring, puts them on his own finger, and he says, "I'm coming for you, guardians, and whatever whoever you put in my way is not going to stop me." So Green Lantern goes. Uh, Hal Jordan goes flying through a wormhole, and meanwhile on Oa, the Guardians are discussing that basically Hal is proving more than uh, capable than they previously thought he was. Ganthet kind of worries about it, but they said, no, don't worry, uh, he's just one of our servants and there's no need to be concerned. Hal pops out in space and Tomar Ray is, uh, or Tomar 2, two yep. sorry. Uh, That's okay, they all look alike. <laughs> <laughs> they probably think that about us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Romar Rui, it doesn't matter who you are! <laughs> uh, Tomar 2 is uh, hanging out behind an asteroid uh, to ambush him. Uh, he doesn't like this, but he's got to do as he must. So he projects an image of a parasite from his world who... Uh, his grip is virtually unbreakable. So Tomar 2 thinks this will give him time to listen to re- to talk some sense into hell. Hal says it's between me and the Guardians. He's like, all right, fine, you had your warning. Uh, I'm stronger than you, Tomar. My will is stronger. There's no way you can hold me, much less defeat me. I am going to Oa, and I'll go through you if I have to. So he knocks the crap out of Tomar uh, and is about to knock him unconscious when Jack T. Chance shows up and punches Hal in the gut. Uh, It looks like, uh, even though the, the panels doesn't show it, it looks like Hal had already grabbed the ring off of Tomar too, because when Chance punches Hal, a ring goes flying. Um, Jack uh, Chance holds a gun up to Hal. Hal says, "Gun? You haven't been a Green Lantern very long, have you?" Uh, so Hal grabs both the, uh, he knocks the crap out of, uh, of Chance, and it looks like he, I don't know, uh, <laughs> I don't know what he does to Chance because it's. He fries him. It looks like. Yeah. It pretty much looks like he just fries him with 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 green energy, or maybe maybe he maybe he uh, like overloaded his gun with the green energy and it backfired on him. But either way, he's 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 burnt, toasted, floating. He's he's a mess. Yeah. 
So Hal grabs Chance's ring, and in the background you can see Tomar is reaching for his discarded one, which makes the scene even sadder. And right before Tomar can grab it, Hal goes, oh, and I'll take yours too, Tomar. And and Hal goes flying off. He says the Guardian's going to regret it. And then we get kind of a double-page splash, a montage of Hal going up against various uh, various lanterns, three of them, uh, in this uh, two-page sequence. Creon of Tebis, brilliant tactician, recruited to the core by Hal Jordan and defeated by him. Hanu of uh, Ovacron Six, who holds Hal Jordan in awe until his power, his ring of power is stolen by that same idol. He's actually using his ring, too. <laughs> Graf Torin of Carax, whose life Hal Jordan saved on the border skirmishes, skirmishes of Sector 2321. And then Hal takes all of their rings... He then comes across um, Boudica, and they, she is fighting uh, very, very fiercely. He says, I'm going to take your ring. I'm going to Oa, and I'm going to take your ring with me. And she says, I am a warrior. This ring is my weapon. I earned it. It's as much a part of me as my hand. He said, yeah, I kind of thought so. And that's when he slices her hand off, takes the ring off her finger, and discards the ring haphazardly into space. And goes flying towards Oa. Uh, get. You mean the hand? That's what I. He, he just no. He discards the hand. You said kind of. I think you said you discarded the ring. Oh, okay. I, but I know we know we all know what you meant. I'm just. I just don't want to confuse people who haven't who hadn't read the story before. Uh, cut. He takes the ring, leaves the hand. <laughs> cut to Oa, uh, and uh, Ganthet says he's victorious again, in which each victory becomes more brutal. He, you know, he, he. he they say there's one left who will defeat him. And uh, Ganth is like, oh, will he? Uh, and basically, Ganth that has a plan, and the other guardians don't agree. He's like, well, you got any other options? And they're like, well, no, let's prepare. So Hal arrives on the surface of Oa and says, those heartless, they even send you against me. And we see that Kilowog is left to face Hal and says, you know, I'm sorry, Hal, I don't want to fight you, but my loyalty is to the core, to the guardians. He says, are you kidding because can't you see how how much how much I'm armed right now? You can't beat me. And Kilowog says, "Didn't I teach you nothing? It's the warrior, not the weapons." And they go off into an epic fight. And Hal gets some good shots. Kilowog gets some good shots. Kilowog gets knocked on his ass. Uh, lays defeated. Hal stands on top of him and says, uh, "You taught me. Uh, it's over, Kilowog. It has to be. You taught me how to be a warrior. I'm sorry. I never dreamed I'd be forced to use it against you." And uh, Hal, now sufficiently armed with rings, goes flying towards the uh, central power battery, and a giant projection of the Guardian shows up and says, "You know, surrender. Give us your ring uh, while you can." And says, "Nobody can stop me. You can't stop me." And they say, "The power is ours to give and take as we please." And he says, "I'm not so sure anymore." And then they say, you leave us with no alternative. And that's when the captions that we've been reading throughout this whole issue, which kind of sound like somebody's talking, we finally get a sense of that because it says, perhaps it's simply the power that corrupts you after a while. At least it's been suggested to me. I suppose, though, it doesn't truly matter. Only the present matters, the task at hand. Jordan's here, I'm here, and I have to put an end to him. Obviously, the Guardians have chosen the right man for the job. I just wonder what Jordan will do when he sees me. And it says, what's the matter, Hal Jordan? Say, nothing to say to your old friend, Sinestro. And that's uh, Sinestro walking out of the central power battery, armed with a ring and ready to fight. Dun, dun, 
<laughs> which leads into part three. The in the description at the end of part two, or it said, "Next, no turning back." The shocking conclusion. So we pick up where we left off. We see Hal armed to the teeth with rings all on every one of his fingers, staring down Sinestro, going, "It's all going to end here, isn't it? One way or the other." And Sinestro, being being Sinestro, is like, "Oh yes, I should imagine so." It's like, it's almost amusing, isn't it? You returning as the prodigal son and me being held up as Oa's last hope. The irony is delicious. Don't you? Get out of my way, Sinestro, or I'll kill you. Sinestro kind of taunts him and goes, you know, plays up the fact that, yeah, you say that, but, you know, that's really unlikely. You're still a hero. You know, you things really haven't changed. You're one of the good guys. And Hal says, not right now, and blasts the ground underneath Sinestro with all his... With, come, with all his the power from all his rings, Sinestro kind of plays head games with him. It's like uh, this is basically it's not very sporting of you coming here, but you know being armed to the teeth the way you are. It's like yeah, you know, it kind of makes my defeat a foregone conclusion. So I mean, it's too bad that you know you wouldn't just want to go basically one on one with me to see if you could actually beat me. I guess you'll just never know. And Hal <laughs> Hal just says, you know, I could really give a damn, Sinestro. I really could, but I don't want there to be any doubt in your mind. <laughs> I want you to know that I defeated you without any crutches. And with that, all the extra rings that Hal's acquired during the first two phases of Emerald Twilight slide off his ring and bounce onto the surface of Oa. And they both look at each other. Hal just goes, so let's go. Sinestro responds, oh, by all means, let's. And they engage in a battle of the power rings. See the Guardians basically looking out from the Citadel, watching them square off. Have some very interesting dialogue with Sinestro pointing out about how, you know, what it was like to be trapped inside the central power battery. You know, it was like a maddening itch that you could never scratch. And he points out, you know what? And it wasn't very pleasant. Of course, Hal doesn't really give a crap about any of that. It's like, you deserve, you deserve worse. The Guardians must be ma- must be nuts to have let you out. And he goes, well, who can really say? They're such enigmatic little devils. But perhaps they thought I was the lesser of two evils. And that really takes Hal a little by surprise. He goes, what? You, what kind of – he goes, Jordan, I think it's time I told you a story. And basically what he does, he, he points out that you know the Guardians came to me and said, you know, Sinestro, you're the greatest of our Green Lanterns. It's like we need you to make the core stronger. We need you to share the skills. Share your skills, please. So they basically gave him Hal and said, make him even half of what you are, and he'll be truly magnificent. And, I, and Sinestro says, I thought to myself, look at what I, look at what they've given you, Sinestro. I thought this sorry fool hasn't got what it takes. He'll never amount to anything. And you know what, Jordan? I was right. You know, they they start they start duking it out again. Uh, Sinestro, for the first time, kind of acknowledges that, you know, Jordan, you have changed. All this rage, almost a new man. He goes, I, of course, am pretty much the same, and I gladly would have killed you for, you know, just for – for kicks, but since the Guardians offered me my freedom to do it, it's like, who am I going to... I'm certainly not going to turn down that offer, that opportunity. Hal says, you're not killing anyone ever again. The Guardians continue to watch, and now you can see the look of concern begins to form on their faces. Uh, Hal and Sinestro match power rings, and there's a big explosion through the smoke. You see pretty much battle damage Hal Jordan, battle damage Sinestro, Sinestro kind of at this point is kind of running on fumes, and he's, but he's still taunting Hal, going, "Come on, Jordan, at least put up a decent fight." Hal just says, "You know, no more tricks, no more rings, just you and me for the last time." Sinestro pretty much gets in one good shot, one more good shot, but Hal pretty much beats the crap out of him. He ends up putting him in a, he's, you know, he stares right at him, about, you know, telling him that 
don't not not so fast, Sinestro. Don't go down so easy. We're not finished yet. He goes, oh, we're finished, all right. Both of us are finished. Because what are you talking about, Sinestro? I finally beat you. I won. And Sinestro accurately, as it turns out, points out, did you, Jordan? Look at yourself and answer me. Hal Jordan puts him basically in a chokehold. Uh, he goes, I should have done this a long time ago. Sinestro starts saying, you know, you probably should have. And before he can finish that thought, Hal snaps his neck, killing Sinestro. Hal just says, damn you, and walks away from Sinestro's d- dead body. Two of the three Guardians that have been watching this are really upset. The one Guardian in the middle continues kind of to be non-emotional, which is not surprising coming from a Guardian. You see Hal stands at the, in front of the central power battery. No one's left to stop me. The power's mine for the taking. Mine so I can get everything right. Make it. And then before he can finish his thought, you see a big hand on his shoulder, and, get, and it's Kilowog, and he decks Hal. Sending him flying, pretty much Hal's, you know, you know, he's, got, he's pretty much dazed. Kilowog goes, I can't let you do it. I can't let you kill anybody else. Hal tries to point out, you know, basically other than Sinestro, I didn't kill anybody. I left I left them all enough rings, enough power to survive, even without their rings. He goes, yeah, for now, but, you know, what do you, what do you think is going to happen when you absorb the central power battery? That, you know, all the, all the members of the core, they're in a fight somewhere, you know, they're going to be out of luck. And eventually, even if they had a charge, it's going to run out at some point. Briefly, this kind of resonates with Hal, and he starts trying, and he starts thinking. But I can't think about that now. I need to set everything right because it's not going to happen, Hal. As much as you want it, no matter how bad you want it, I know what it's like, you know, to lose your loved ones. It's no excuse for for what you're doing. This power isn't yours for the taking. It's like pull it together. You killed Sinestro, but you're not evil. You ain't evil, not yet. You can still stop. And Hal stops his a punch of. Kilowogs with his his power ring hand. He goes, no, I can't. And then he blasts Sinestro. I mean, excuse me. He blasts Kilowog. He fries him. You see his smoking skeleton on the ground before Hal. Hal's on his knees. His mask is off. He's got tears in his eyes. He goes, I've crossed the line, Kilowog. I can't go back. And I go. And he takes the power ring off. Now he's standing at the steps right before the uh, central power battery. He takes off his ring and he goes, I don't deserve this anymore, and he tosses it. The Guardians then show up in front of him going, true, 2814, you do not. You know, you, you have done heinous acts. You know, you, you you will be punished. Hal just makes it perfectly clear that by who's going to punish me? I kind of see you guys for what you are now. You're impotent. You know, you haven't, you haven't done anything in so long, you don't even know how. The Guardians point out, you know, or actually Hal says, you know, you didn't, you know. All I wanted was the power to have my life back, and you could have given it to me, but but you turned your back on me. The guardians say, you know, to tamper with what has been is the greatest or the most grievous crime of all. And Hal is crying, and he pulls a guardian close to him, and he goes, "Don't you think I know that? <laughs> and haven't you realized I'm beyond caring? And it's too late for that. It's too late for me. It's too late for you. Basically, there's no going back. What's going to happen is going to happen. You can't stop it, and neither can I." And with those words, Hal enters the central power battery and begins to absorb it. The Guardians have a few moments still of doing absolutely nothing. And it's like, are we going to allow him to just you know, basically expunge our, great, our grand designs? And the only, the only Guardian who pretty much steps up and says, am I the only one to find this who thinks this is unacceptable? That kind of spurs the Guardians into action. Ganthet is right. You know, We must do what has become unthinkable for us. We must act. There is but one course of action. And you, Ganthet, you are the one. And Ganthet's like, who? Me? All the Guardians form a circle, and they end with Ganthet in the middle. 
This continues as the central power battery explodes. You kind of see the Guardians in the circle start looking weathered and beaten. Ganthet kind of looks stunned by this. Uh, the central power battery explodes. You get our first view of Hal as we will become to know him or come to know him as Parallax. Hal walks after after that big splash page. You see Hal walking amongst the Guardians whose bodies now are all burned out. Hal's about to leave, but he senses his power ring. He goes back to it, and he steps on it, crushing it. He flies off into space. Then from underneath the burned-out corpses of the Guardians, Ganthet, who is still alive and still still functional, kind of like pokes his way out. Ganthet you know, says a few words about how he, you know, he grieves he grieves for you, but there's not enough time. You know, you gave me the length, the last of your strength, and I know what must be done. You know, he kind of he gets a little philosophical, saying, you know, pretty much. You know, Hal was our greatest champion, and we didn't stand by him in his moment of need. So, because we were so unwavering to our, you know, our edicts, that we kind of become the architects of our own destruction. Even this, as he, as he kind of picks up Hal's shattered ring, he goes, "Even this is abandoned. The symbol of our champion, of all our champion, was all he was, all that we were. It must become a symbol again." He takes the broken pieces of Hal Jordan's ring. He reforms it into a new power ring. He proclaims, as the sole remaining guardian, I promise our sacrifice will not be an act of futility. And we have stood, all we have stood for, the nobility, the good, will live on. Live on, even if I too must perish. Then we see a streak in the air as now, as Ganthet approaches Earth. We see Kyle Rayner and his familiar... And his uh, calling card or look from a location point of view, an alley, Ganthet shows up and goes, you shall have to do. How, you know, a drunken Kyle kind of goes, oh, yeah, I must have needed more air than I thought. He goes, this Ganthet tells him to take this ring, do what you must with it. Kyle really doesn't know what the hell is going on. He puts the ring on his finger. He transforms into a classic costumed Kyle or Kyle in a classic Green Lantern costume going, oh, man, I think my life just got a lot more complicated. Next, welcome to a new Emerald Era. What'd you think? <laughs> it sucked. No, it was as a story. It's really, really good, actually. <laughs> there's a lot of things that I really liked about the story. As far as um, there's just a lot of things to like about it. First of all, like like we talked, kind of alluded to before you did your issue review, the fact that now now it's a little more commonplace, and and I kind of mentioned that, and I, and I mentioned it during our our uh, issue reviews. I kind of did think of Emerald Twilight. The fact that you know there really aren't that many issues that we get to look inside Sinestro's head, and even the you know the previous versions of Sinestro, and yet Green Lantern 49, otherwise known as the classic covered Green Lantern 49, with the, the nutsy looking Hal with all the power rings on his fingers, that it turns out that once we learn that Sinestro was the narrator for that issue, and then going back to everything that he said, you know the irony really is there. Since if there's anybody who can relate to exactly what Hal Jordan is going through and how he's being viewed, it, it is Sinestro, actually. It's important to note that at the time, everybody was pissed at this. Everybody and their mother was really pissed that somebody did this to Hal that DC did this to Hal Jordan. Um, it's kind of, the way the, the, the way the legend goes, I think, is it was kind of along the same lines of uh, why they killed Superman. Superman's yeah. sales were kind of crappy, and they're like, well, uh, someone finally went, well, let's just kill him. And they actually went along with it. Well, same thing here. Green Lantern sales were pretty bad, and they needed to do something drastic here, like they did something drastic with Superman. So they did. 
<laughs> and not a lot of people were really happy with it. <laughs> no, from a from a reception point of view, there's there's absolutely no doubt that this <laughs> this did not work as well as the others. Uh, as far as lasting impact, you can make a case, especially because of that it gave us Kyle. That you can make a case that it certainly has had a, a probably a much more dramatic impact and lasting impact. But yes, during the and as we will get to when we in a few, in a little well. Let's just say a few minutes. I don't want to make it sound like it's going to be in the next minute, but we're going to talk about what, you know, that for those of you who don't know, that the Emerald Twilight we saw was not the original idea for Emerald Twilight. Long before the idea was to make Hal become Parallax and to introduce Kyle pretty much as Green Lantern, there was a whole other idea for Emerald Twilight. But it wasn't like what Chad said, because there, there was promotional art. And I'm looking at it right now, which said, we killed Superman. We broke Batman. Green Lantern is next. And they had Emerald Twilight, number 48, 49, and 50, starting in November. So basically they were just continuing the pattern of uh, uh, breaking breaking the norms and recreating and recreating the heroes. And, the, of course, when the version of – the artwork for this issue, for, I mean for this ad, kind of does hint – at what the original version of Emerald Twilight was going to be. So they knew they were doing an Emerald Twilight. They just decided to go in a different direction. But that still was the idea originally to just, let's just, you know, cha- change up the status quo and let's see if it would help the sales for help for, for Green Lantern. Whether it would have worked or not, we don't know because they never did it the way they intended. But yep, that was, that was, the, that was the trend in the, in the, in the early to mid nineties to kind of do that. Yeah. The art was fantastic. I can say that. Yes, it was. Uh, I mean, kind of. I mean, for the most part, across the board, it was pretty fantastic. The only thing that looked kind of weird to me were like the women. Uh, not so much Lara. Maybe, maybe it's just Boudica's design that I didn't like. I don't know. Yeah, and she's a little manly. Yeah, but otherwise, I mean, it was it was a a, a pretty good issue. Um, good use of effects. Good use of. Uh, shadowing and stuff like uh, let's see here when is when he goes up against uh, Kilowog or where is it? Let's see. Right, yeah, when he, right after he blasts Kilowog and reduces him to a skeleton, before he says I cross the line, that silent panel at the top of the page, which is kind of the silhouette of Kilowog smoking remains and how yeah. that's yeah, that's cool. That's really cool looking. Uh, so, so I mean, they they made use of every every inch of the panels in here, and it uh, it really it really works well. Absolutely, and I like the all three issues work. I mean, and we, I should also point out that, and I don't think I did that the three issues. I think I may have, I said I may have said it. When we did part one that the that Green Lantern forty eight was part was part one the past, and forty nine was the present, and fifty was the future. Those are the names of the three parts: the past, the present, and the future. So basically, you know, which which kind of makes sense because the first because the first issue basically is Hal dealing with his past. He's dealing with Coast City. He's dealing with his failings. He's dealing with his father issues. And then obviously the second issue is dealing with his fight to get to Oa, and the future as far as related to Hal's future, pretty much, and the Green Lantern Corps' future and Kyle. So it it is a as a story, it works. It does work. I think a lot of the issues people had with it were that not it wasn't just what they were doing to Hal. It's just it's how they approached doing it to Hal. It's the fact that this is one of those 
in my opinion anyway. This is one of those classic examples of, oh, we we want to get this done super quick so we can have a big, nicely numbered anniversary issue to do a transition in, as opposed to building a realistic storyline, making a blow build or where Hal got to that point, and you could probably say, you know, that makes a little more sense. It's a little more believable. And I think, as I, as I mentioned before, having that issue of, of the issue 47, which was the Green Arrow, Green Lantern team up, in between the destruction of Coast City and Green Lantern 46, and then the Emerald Twilight where he's, like, depressed as hell and, he, and he's just desperate to bring everything back, and then that seemed to kind of, like, break, break up the momentum, too, of kind of driving him towards... You know, at the point of no return, that it just seems like if they were going to do something of this magnitude, you would think, even if it was like a mini series, even if they did something they really wanted, to, they really wanted to do it to issue fifty, then make a mini series and then and then have like the final part be in, you know, actually be in Green Lantern fifty, if they still wanted the transition, but do something to make the transition seem more like you're trying to tell a good story and make something realistic, as opposed to oh, we're going to turn a guy. It's been a hero for like about four, like you know, about thirty, forty years, and make him, make him a borderline bad guy, and it's still questionable how bad he was. Um, make him a bad guy in like three issues, just because we want to make it issue fifty, you know? Right. And I think I do think that was a. I think they would have gotten a lot less flack from it if they had just taken that into consideration. But it still works as a story. There's those three issues, and there's something of note. Three issues. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Hal Jordan's hair looks great in every issue, <laughs> even with different artists. Like in every issue, it still looks great. <laughs> well, it's 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 not just that. It's it's every every solicit for every new storyline lately seems to be, and nothing will ever be the same again. Yeah. <laughs> in this case, nothing nothing was, was ever true. the same again. <laughs> and 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 to, and to show you as what as much of a non-Green Lantern fan as I was at the point when this when these books first started coming out, that I still remember when I was working at Walden Books putting out Green Lantern 50 on the on the, on the the rack. And I kind of flipped through it cause, you know, because the cover says, it all ends here. And you flip through it, and I just see Hal still wearing this kind of uniform. And I was like, eh, what, what really changed? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, a few months – I started reading the book right after Kyle became Green Lantern, and then I started backtracking, and then once I – you know, picked up the issues and got the trade. And it's like, yeah. So yes, I guess a lot did actually happen in that issue after all. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing actually things- was ever the same again, and it only took three issues to tell it. Yep. And the status quo, yeah, the status quo changed. You can't say it changed forever, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's a storyline that the impact for it is still there. You still feel it. There's still elements of it, and there's things that you get reminded of it. From, you know, even if it's indirectly, you get reminded of it from time to time. Well, so. I mean, it 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 changed things for several years. Oh yeah, I'm so, not doubting that. I'm so. just yeah, the set the it's it changed the status quo for about for about ten years. Definitely, basically about ten years. Definitely changed the status quo more than uh, the death of Superman did. I mean, it, oh yeah, that only lasted a couple like you know a few months, <laughs> you know, or a year or something like that. But 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 you know. Uh, as a result, Parallax, you know, we got Zero Hour, all the results of that. We got Hal Jordan, uh, we got Final Light out of that. We got uh, Hal Jordan becoming the Spectre for a while. I mean, there's, there's a lot of history that comes out of these three issues before things come back to Hal being, you know, a hero again after Rebirth. So basically, this is, what year was this? 1993? 
trying to see the covers if it was 93 or 94. I, th- I still think it was 94. I know that obviously the graphic novel was 94, but I'm trying to see if it says – no, it was 94. It says originally published in single magazine form at Green Lantern 48 to 50, copyright 1994. And Rebirth was 2005? I think it started in four. Okay. I think it started in four. So, so ten years things were different after these three issues. That's so even yeah. So even though it was it was certainly not a, it was much more controversial and not nearly as popular. It definitely had a much greater impact and a much longer lasting profile. It had a much higher profile as far as relevant storylines than either Nightfall, Night's End, or the Reign of the Superman. Because, I mean, the only thing you people. Especially now that Asriel, you know, the classic Asriel really has has no real role in, in the new Fifty Two, and they killed him off anyway in the old Fifty Two. So other than Bane's, other than when Bane shows up and just the people, oh yeah, I remember he, he kind of broke Batman's back, didn't he? Other than that, there really isn't much relevance anymore of Nightfall whatsoever. <laughs> and so they wiped out in the new Fifty Two. We know they wiped out Cyborg Superman, so the true significance of the reign of the Superman is not even there. Mm-hmm. Do they, they don't even they don't even have, do they have, they don't have the Eradicator yet in the New Fifty Two do they? I don't think so. So who was my favorite of the Superman at the time anyway? So yeah, so so an Emerald Twilight as we constantly get told or we're told you know Emerald Twilight took place we just it just wasn't Co City being destroyed anymore. Don't <laughs> <laughs> so, explain that one. Oh man, uh, let's see what else. Was there any particular point you wanted to to, to touch on in particular? Well, we we. we I mean, we've kind of alluded to some of the controversy, but we there was no pun intended. Obviously, everybody took a lot of heat, but um, from from the storyline, and it's kind of funny because over the years, my my uh, loyalties, my opinions, yes, and my opinions have changed on this because I used and and I can understand, and I'll elaborate. I you know, I changed my thoughts as surprise that um. I can understand from a certain point of view why maybe Ron Mars came across the way he did in some interviews at times because he did catch a lot of hell and death threats and all this crap that obviously he never should have gotten. But at the time when it came out, you know, I like a lot of and I again, like I said, I was just getting into re re getting back into comics at that point because I'd been out of it for a while and I certainly was just getting into Green Lantern at that point. And the reality is, Ron Mars became the poster boy pretty much for. For all the hate in the heat towards uh, Emerald Twilight and what they did to Hal, when the reality is Kevin Dooley kind of like skirted a lot of the risk. He was the one pretty much who was kind of like the architect from, for most of this, and he kind of avoided a lot. Of, certainly at the time, I think he avoided a lot of the of the flack from it while Ron Mars took it. I think there were some interviews that Ron Mars probably could have you know carried him came, come across a little better maybe. But I, but again, you you get you get crap dumped on you for no reason, you know, it, or in a in the big picture, no reason you should, you know, that you can understand why you would be a little defensive and why you would, you know, kind of maybe come across a different way. But I, I, at this point, I just any negativity towards the decision, obviously, you just throw a DC and and Dooley and the people in charge at that point, just like when they when how when how became a dirty word after that. I, I mean, kind of like as we know up until recently, how Wally had been ever since they brought Barry Allen back. How Wally West became a dirty word. You couldn't really use him, couldn't touch him, or Donna Troy and things like that. When you transition through different phases, some characters are like, oh, you know, we, it's almost like you don't want to you don't want to stir up the pot anymore. So you, you got to leave these characters alone. So that's why even when they were doing 
even when they were doing Kingdom Come, which was supposed to be just a purely fictional story, well, Wade and Ross, they weren't allowed to uh, use Hal Jordan as their Green Lantern. Even though it was supposed to be like basically an Elseworld story, they couldn't use him. That's kind of like in a way why Alan Scott looks like a, an older version of Hal Jordan in a way in parallax armor. Yeah. And he's working out of a space station called New Oa, which would have no meaning at all to Alan Scott. Right. Well, and, and not, not to mention, and I've said this before on the show, I thought throughout the – up until I think even – Almost the, the day or two before we recorded, uh, uh, I, we were talking about something, I can't remember what, but uh, uh, on one of the previous episodes uh, a long time ago. And I actually thought that that Green Lantern for the longest time in Kingdom Come was Hal Jordan. I don't think they ever once say Alan. I think. I don't remember if they, if they, if they, ref- I thought they probably did at one point, but I could be wrong. It's been a long time since. I thought maybe it was. Re- dealing with the space station part when they were contacting him on the space station but i could be wrong it's been a long and i haven't actually looked at but there's but there's no doubt that you know they that they wanted to use hal jordan but they weren't allowed to use hal jordan uh the same way and we've talked about this before related to once they did once they did the justice league cartoon which i think at that point hal had already become the specter i believe that besides the you know political correctness rate you know racial diversity aspect of who to who to pick as Green Lantern? The fact is, there was no point in trying to dig up, you know, stir the pot again between, you know, Kyle's Green Lantern now, Hal's the Spectre that seemingly is working okay. Both both sides kind of seem mostly happy with it at the moment. Let's not throw one or the other into the cartoon, and then all of a sudden, then you're going to have the other group unhappy again. So there were a lot of th- – and the thing from a from a Hal Jordan fan, and as I mentioned before, that I became a Hal Jordan fan after Emerald Twilight. So kind of like the – no f- pun intended, Emerald Fallout from all this that made me a Hal Jordan fan that even though Hal Jordan was a dirty word and you couldn't really use him in a book except for once in a while when Parallax would show up, DC had no problem going to the well for merchandising. <laughs> Most of the stuff in the 90s, in the late 90s at the Warner Brothers store was was Hal Jordan-related merchandise, not so much Kyle-related merchandise. So they had no problem. And even the DC Direct stuff that you would be able to get at your at your LCS, that most of that – a lot of that stuff was related to – including the original power batteries that they released, that, that it was – that they had no problem taking advantage of the, of the fan base and the, and the nostalgia – and maybe the, even the anger for what they did to Hal when it came to getting you know money coming into their pockets. But heaven forbid, you know you. And they had no problem bringing Hal back to try to sell issues like with Emerald Knights, which we will get to at some to, at some point too, which is a great story. But you know they kind of did their usual thing, teasing, making it sound like maybe Hal would stay around, maybe he wouldn't. And of course, you know it was just basically a kind of a gimmick to get sales up to bring Hal back and to kind of have an excuse. I guess to test the waters to how to restart a Green Lantern Corps, and I and part of a part of let me follow up on my own point because this reminds me of it. Part of it was, what was kind of annoying, and I think again at the time you look, you react one way, now you look differently. That I think one of the things related to like some of the things Ron Mars used to say, I believe he used to say things back at that time that you know about you know wiping out the core, not just you know giving creating a new Green Lantern but wiping out the core in the Guardians because a lot of that was part of what people were unhappy about that it wasn't just what they did to Hal even though that was a big part of it but it's, it's the fact that you wiped out the whole Green Lantern mythology pretty much in one felt in like three issues you wiped everything out and why did that have to happen and I believe at some point or at one point he used to say 
Well, you know, it's kind of like to me, it always seemed like the core basically, basically kind of in a way weakened the concept because there's so many Green Lanterns out there, all with the same powers, and there had to be some other Green Lantern that at some other sometime basically would have, in the heat of a moment, would be having downtime. So if another Green Lantern needed help, you know, basically there should be another Green Lantern to help help out that Green Lantern, and it just was one of those things where you know somehow it makes makes it more unique and makes it more pressing and relevant you know just to have one green lantern but then later on you kind of find out i think ron mars said something differently that they were all built that it's in his mind's eye that they were eventually building towards restarting the core and restarting the concept you know and getting kind of back to where they were so again it makes you think that that was again more or less like a, like a dually or dc talking point that he almost had to say as opposed to maybe something that he really truly believed since he originally thought he was going to be writing Hal Jordan, I think when he got the gig, if I remember correctly, that when he first got the book, I'm pretty sure he knew he was he got the book before he knew what they were planning on doing with it. Right. Do you want to do you want to talk about the original plan then? Because you kind of alluded to it. Yeah. Let me let me let me open that sucker up. Um, now, it's not it's not overly long what I have, but I was originally going to give it you know just give an overview. But since you've never heard it before, do you want me to just kind of as much as I can. I mean, I can still read. I can still leave out some stuff, but you want me to yeah, give as much detail as possible. Well, encapsulate it a little bit because we don't want to go too long. But okay, yeah. So this was the this was the original Gerard Jones version of Emerald Twilight, which still would have taken place in those three issues. And basically, after the destruction of Coast City and how breaking up with Carol, he he kind of realized that he that the, the roots that he wants to establish. But she really can't find on Earth anymore. There's really nothing to hold. It's kind of like nothing to hold them to Earth anymore. I mean, inspired by the memories of everybody who died, including his father, he just want, he wants to dedicate himself to being a better hero. And to do that, he pretty much has to dedicate himself completely to the Green Lantern Corps. That's where he's going to find. That's where he's going to find belonging to be a member of the Corps. So he goes to Oa. That was supposed to be this big swearing-in ceremony of all of new Green Lanterns. And at that time. A new group of guardians just show up out of the blue, and these guardians claim we're the true guardians, and the guardians that you know Hal and all the others had been following, they were imposters. You know the the old the old group, of course, says what you know that's a that's a you know that's a crock. We're the, we're the real ones. These guys are the imposters, and what happens? What kind of leads to people to think well maybe the new guardians are right is because the the Zamorans show up with the new guardians. And they claim, well, see, these these new guardians, no pun intended using the term, these new guardians, they really are the guardians. They're our husbands because, you know, the, the, the Zamorans are basically pregnant with their with their children, and we, we, would know, we would know the fathers of our children, that kind of thing. So basically the fate, of the, uni- the fate of the universe, of everything depends on which set of guardians can win over the Green Lantern Corps and who gains control of the children of the Zamorans. Hal, who pretty much feels that he can read the Guardians at this point, especially with all his adventures with the, with Old Timer and everything else, he has a strong feeling that the new Guardians are imposters. But he really can't convince, you know. But most of the evidence seems to be pointing against that, and he really can't convince convince the other Green Lanterns to go along with him. So Hal has to make a choice, and he decides, you know, you know, his only chance is to really break with the Green Lantern Corps because he wants to and to champion the old. Guardians. Um, How kind of he does enter the pet central power battery to increase his power. He fights the core. He takes the old guardians into hiding as he tries to seek a way to 
you know, kind of like peel off more and more of his guardian of the of the Green Lanterns to support him. You know, how you know, pretty much this is like a big big game of chess or even poker here because if he's wrong, if he's supporting the wrong guardians, you know, the the universe is kind of doomed. The new guardians, you know, to try to deal with Hal Jordan, pretty much announced that they they are declaring a new leader of the Green Lantern Corps, which is Sinestro. And Sinestro, you know, he kind of whips the he he takes that position. He he pretty much devotes himself to the new guardians. He whip you know he kind of whips the core the new core into a paramilitary group, and starts a program of quote unquote good but ruthless acts like hey how ironic destroying the cooned homeworld, way to go Sinestro. <laughs> <laughs> you know so you know, Hal returns Hal returns to Coast City. Um, he tries to, to he wants to he goes there he communes with the the memory of his father whose grave was destroyed along with the city but but the um i, I think it's, it might be the manhunters because it just says the synopsis says but the hunter gls revived by sinestro so it must be the manhunters basically they catch him there he escapes for a moment but they destroy his ring but basically the inspiration of his father makes hal keep fighting and he finds out this is a concept that you should like because we've talked about this before. That he, that the trip into the central power battery pretty much has enabled Hal to have an internal power source. That he no longer needs a power ring to wield the green energy. All he had to do was basically uh, let go of let go of the ring, let go of feeling that he needed the ring. Um, the Zamorans are about to give birth. There's there. I assume it would be Carol Star Sapphire. She kind of factors into this, and basically what. Trying to sum this up because I don't want to go on too much longer. It turns out that basically the, the new guardians are basically just entropy or pawns of entropy, creations of entropy, otherwise known as Krona. And this was part of his master plan to get back at the guardians. Entropy kind of throws uh, the new guardians through entropy. Uh, entropy, I should say, through the new the new guardians throw uh, Halakur by revealing a very a huge fact that his father didn't die by accident. That basically his the old guardians killed Hal's father on purpose because the only because they knew the kind of potential Hal had and the only way he could ever achieve it was he needed that trauma to basically make him the fearless man he became and the guy we know so despite Hal is kind of shaken because he finds out that the, the, you know the side he's fighting for has essentially killed his father but he still knows in the big picture what the other side is doing is wrong Hal continues to fight for you know for the old guardians. Hal pretty much ends up tricking Sinestro to show him his true colors. Kilowog realizes he's been suckered. He joins Hal's side. All the all the support for Sinestro pretty much crumbles. You know the new guard the, these new guardians dissolve when they reveal themselves to be just manifestations of entropy, who who then enters the battle himself because his old his goal in this entropy was to basically reduce the universe to lifeless entropy by robbing it of all its life. Too much order, Sinestro is equal to too much chaos, yada yada. Um, so entropy try, is trying to seek, uh, seize, I should say, the children of the ent- of the Samurans as they're born. The old guardians now return, thanks to Hal and his internal power. They, they team together, they turn the tide, they snatch the babies from entropy at the last moment. The Green Lanterns destroy entropy. All seems well. But what basically the Green Lanterns all come back together. The ones that supported the wrong side were forgiven. But Hal, Hal can't basically forgive the Guardians for what they did. They know, you know, he he fought for them, but they killed his father, and that he just couldn't do this anymore. He, and he know he doesn't have to anymore because he has his own power source. 
So he pretty much goes off on his own to become the protector. And that was going to be the big change of status quo at the end of the Gerard Jones Emerald Twilight. I remember him. I remember somebody telling me once about the protector, or that was going to be his was, name or something. It was probably Daryl because because I remember I remember that I think it might have been I think it might have been the inter, the in, first interview when he was on the show that he mentioned the fact that because he mentioned it previously too that DC just really liked that name for whatever reason they really liked that name so they really insisted even after, even in this incarnation of Emerald Twilight the, the one we got. That they wanted Parallax to be Emerald Twi- to be Protector, and and Daryl was able to convince him, uh, convince them to go with Parallax, which of course was a perfect name for Hal and what he became. Looking at the universe from a different direction, right? So I mean that the universe hadn't changed; he was just looking at it from a different point of view, and now his whole the way he was reacting to it was different. Perfect name for the character. So yeah. Hey Daryl, do you want to draw this alternate storyline? <laughs> 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 and I have, and I can show, and I maybe we can put put together almost maybe like a like a PDF or something at some point because I still I still have some sketches from the uh, black and white from the original version of Emerald Twilight, like of Hal fighting when Hal and Sinestro fighting, I guess right after Sinestro shows shows up as being the core leader and things like that. So this would to me this it was an kind of an interesting storyline in a way. This this is kind of when they announced War of the Green Lanterns. This is what I kind of imagined it was going to be like. More like two sides. There were there were reasons for the for the for the Green Lanterns to split amongst two different factions for philosophical reasons, and eventually, you know, they come back together. Not kind of what we got with mind control, but I think this this the question is, I guess the big question with this with this idea was, yes, it was interesting, but would have created enough of a status quo change to maybe revitalize the franchise. And that, I guess, is the the debate we'll never have an answer to at this point because it never happened. But yeah, it sounds interesting. It sounds like a little bit of too much back and forth and stuff for three issues. I mean, if you you know if you thought that this was kind of cramped or anything, um, this this is a fairly straightforward story. Whereas that sounds like five issues. <laughs> that is true. There's a, there's a lot of misdirection in there and in details and. But that was the that was the never to be done, and as some people have pointed out, and uh, I found these two that the, the at least at least the first two issues for uh, the original version of Emerald Twilight were, were solicited. I guess they were in previews before everything got changed. And I spoke with Denny O'Neill a while ago. Did you happen to listen to that episode? And by luck of the draw, I actually got I actually when I was getting to the part since he's in the middle basically of that episode i had literally when i when i got to the part where he was speaking he was literally, literally talking about that <laughs> so i was like the timing was perfect I was like oh wow <laughs> couldn't have done this better if i tried <laughs> do you remember well the interesting yeah because they were talking about like the four-hour meeting that they had about you know trying to because the green lantern sales were lousy and they were trying to figure out how to revitalize the revitalize the franchise and the interesting thing of all the discussion, as he pointed out, because you went back and you asked him a, uh, a very important question, was kind of like when did Kyle, you know, when did like Kyle get created, or how, what came first, how going nuts first, or Kyle being or deciding on Kyle was going to be the new Green Lantern, and the interesting part of to me, one of the more interesting things that he said was that most of they didn't really talk much about Hal. <laughs> 
that most of what they were talking about was we need, you know, we need to create a new Green Lantern and kind of probably, in all honesty, about the change in the status quo of what was in the book and maybe the mythology more than what we're going to do with Hal. I think kind of so it kind of about what came first, the chicken or the egg. It would seem like if that's an accurate description of the way things went down with Dooley and everything else, that which makes sense based on everything we've actually saw. That they kind of decided, you know, where they decided what point B was going to be before they decided how to do point A. <laughs> so it was kind of in, it was kind of interesting. That, uh, I'll I'll put that audio after the credits at the end of the episode. Um, I was going to put Nine Inch Nails on there. <laughs> you you do you know why? Which song? Well, no, not 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 a particular song. Because uh, Kyle's wearing a Nine Inch Nails T-shirt. Oh yes, he is wearing that. That is true. <laughs> Maybe I'll do both. I don't know. <laughs> I'll put Denny's audio with a background track of Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and before I forget about it, you mentioned Daryl. Uh, you, did you have a uh, – you, you reached out to Daryl, right? Yes. I, I told Daryl that we were going to be doing you know, the Emerald Twilight retrospective, and I asked if he you know, there was any, basically anything that he wanted to say or a, or a message he wanted to leave. So oh. – you know, he wrote me back, and and what he said was Emerald Twilight could have been called Emerald Highlight because it truly was a highlight for my comics career. Character designs, character redesigns, character creation, and more. I had the opportunity to work hard yet feel like a kid in the candy store. Years ago, I considered how great it could be to have the chance to take the, char- take the character that people didn't care much about and put him on the map, so to speak. A prime example of this would be Frank Miller's work on Daredevil. Miller made you care about the man without fear more than ever. My run on Green Lantern with Ron Mars was our opportunity to make Green Lantern a bigger deal than he was previously. Not just Hal Jordan, but the title itself. And I really hope we accomplish that. I'd say so. Certainly, I mean, it certainly became a bigger deal, not just because of the three-issue arc. It just became, you know, it certainly did, it, it absolutely accomplished what it, what the goal was, not just to shake up the status quo, not just to make things different, but to increase interest in the character in, of Green Lantern and just and increase sales. So for all, it, eventually we know it kind of it kind of waned, which kind of helped pave the door for rebirth and everything else. But you know it's it succeeded, and and the fact the fact that Kyle is still around when most of the most of the most of the characters created in this time frame are not or if they are they're a shadow literally of their former selves the fact that Kyle is still around and still plays a major role in the Green Lantern universe i mean that's that's pretty that's that's pretty important and you can understand why Daryl and i'm sure Ron feels the same way about about having such a long lasting leaving a long lasting impression on on the characters in the in the mythology because they probably would never have suspected. Certainly, once the, once the time came, and you know when they were going to shift back to Hal, as I think even the intro to, to the graphic novel of Rebirth points out, that it would have been re- that based on based on the way things go historically, it would have been so easy. You know, if somebody else maybe was writing the writing Rebirth instead of Jeff Johns to just kill off Kyle, you know, when you were bringing Hal back. Yeah. But instead, you don't get that. You kind of get a handshake, and you just kind of get them moving on, working together. So. And and Emerald Twilight serves as kind of a bookend to me too. I have not read all of Kyle Rayner's run. I have it. Di- I have every issue digitally, um, but for whatever reason, I haven't sat down to read it. I've had every issue digitally for several years, uh, and I haven't sat down to read them yet. 
Um, I, I'm trying to get the whole thing in, in issue form. It's actually the reason I say it's a bookend is because between Emerald Twilight and Rebirth, I haven't read a whole lot of Green Lantern. Um, I mean, I've read you know several issues of Kyle's run, uh, obviously of what I have, um, but mostly what particularly how stuff what happens to how between here and rebirth i don't have you know all of his uh, all of his appearances as parallax as a matter of fact uh i went to the discount comic book store the other day and you know searching through the dollar bins and i found the first issue of the specter series where hal jordan is the specter and that's the first issue of that i've ever had and so issue number one of that and i've you know been curious about that and you know i've I've, you know, I know that Jim's and Jim has said in the past that he enjoyed it and stuff, but I don't know historically what happened in the, in that series. And outside of Zero Hour and Final Night, I don't know where else Hal appeared and if it was significant or not, or you know anything like that. So Emerald Twilight, uh, you know, it's 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 the start of an era of Hal Jordan I'm not familiar with, but it's. Uh, a heck of a start. You know, a lot of people saw Emerald Twilight as an end. I see it as a start to a section of Green Lantern I don't have a whole lot of experience with. And right. So, it's definitely a beginning. But, well, I mean, obviously, I came into comics a whole lot later than this story being published. So, it, I didn't really have the time to be, you know, obsessed with how Jordan go, how, how dare you do this to him? So, it's, it's not really that big of a deal to me. But, you know... Still seeing it, you know, I, I, I see Emerald Twilight, not to sound too campy, but obviously, again, you know, Emerald Twilight is a beginning to me. That makes sense. It's, I mean, it, it's understandable. And when you relate it to, and you're talking about the stuff related to Hal, I mean, many people, I mean, a lot of people, despite, you know, how they got from point A to point B, a lot of people thought Hal, in a way, certainly based on the Hal that we were dealing with at that time, before, right, leading up to Emerald Twilight. That many people thought that that Hal actually became, was much much more of an interesting character as Parallax. Jim, yeah, I, and for the most part, I liked I liked Hal as Parallax because, as some people, other people have pointed out, I should say, that there's a certain element of a like a Magneto esque character with Hal as Parallax, because you always have to weigh with what he's doing is the about the end justifying the means. And depending on this, how he's going about it and the storylines that he's in, and that's kind of in a way but I think we were denied because we don't know well, – again, we also don't know where he would have ended up if they didn't kind of shoehorn him into Final Night, which of course was not you know, like Ron Mars' decision. It wasn't really you – know, there was – that was yet, that was yet another editorial decision to have him end up dying in Final Night because that was not you – know, certainly not anything you know, Ron Mars was planning on doing. So how would have been around? He still would have had a role, and where they would have gone with that, we don't know. Just like in a way, though, I think though it worked out perfectly when they were figuring out Zero Hour. As the legend goes, you know that the original idea was not to have Hal. He was not already determined to be the villain in Zero Hour from the get-go. That basically that was Dan Jurgens saying, based on the you know based on where the character, based on what they were looking for, and based on where this character is and what's he's gone through, and his outlook. He, it would seemingly be a good match. That that's how he kind of basically became, you know, the main guy in Zero Hour. Yeah, I mean, I I think reading the Spectre series, I think, would be good good for you. I think the first half of the series is better than the last half. I think it kind of started waning, but the first 
10 issues or so, I think, are, are really good. And I liked Hal as the Spectre. I I give John's tons of credit because I really I had gotten to the point really where I was pretty relatively con- happy with Hal not being Green Lantern. I didn't necessarily think of a way that he could come back and be Green Lantern with everything that was that you know kind of was his the, all the you know basically the albatross around his neck of what he had done in a way that people were going to accept him again. And as a Spectre, technically speaking, he was a more important character. He was a more powerful character. And you could just wait for the moment when he kind of did enough to redeem himself, and then he could go off into the sunset and kind of get his, you know, get his just due, you know. But they, they, so I give John's tons of credit for being able to make make me interested in how, in how coming back as Green Lantern again, as opposed to when I didn't think that was possible. Right. I liked him as Parallax. I think they could have done a lot more with him as Parallax. As we play, we'll get to it in, in more episodes. I mean, he, he doesn't show up in Parallax all that often, so it wouldn't take a lot to basically for you to collect all those issues and even to for the most of the ones you know uh, to go over, like the, the Silver Surfer crossover, even um, the, the annual, like the year one annual when he and Kyle was kind of switched places, which was a good issue. So it's yeah, it certainly is an it is a beginning. It was a it was a beginning for Kyle. It was a new beginning for Hal. It helped helped bring in new readers, and it was it certainly it was very, very con excuse me it was very controversial. But there's no doubt that as you know the saying goes, you know controversy sells. So it certainly helped the book, and it certainly made people talking about Green you know helped get people talking about Green Lantern when they when they weren't otherwise at the time. Yeah. Um, anything else about this series? Oh, one thing. I'm glad you kind of helped segue me back because I would have, I might have forgotten about it. One concept when we were talking about the, the Gerard, the Gerard Jones version, the one concept I think they should have kept. Certainly, time now you could now you can go back and say based on every the way everything turned out, maybe they were better off not doing it. But if you're looking for a rational way or to make it more believable that how would turn on the Guardians. The concept that he, he finds out that they killed his father probably would have been a real relevant point to keep. <laughs> you know that would have made that would have made his that would have made his transition to being completely against the guardians and not in seeing what ha- seeing what he wanted to do was in the bigger picture more right than what they wanted to do. That or it's just seeing in the the arbitrary injustice of how they decide they're going to do this, they're going to do that. I think that probably would have been a it would have been pretty con- a pretty compelling point there. Well, yes and no. Yes, in terms of uh, sympathizing with Hal, but is the point to sympathize with Hal? Because you don't necessarily have to sympathize, though. You just have to you if if you're trying to un- if you're it's more understanding than sympathizing because you're still because of, you ha- because you're still taking a guy who'd been the hero of, of basically this title, even though we know it's been canceled, had been canceled, and blah blah blah. You know, before the guy had basically been Green Lantern for over 30 years, and you're taking him from, you know, greatest of the Green Lanterns to the destroyer of the of the Green Lantern Corps in like three issues. That it kind of would seem that if you if you want to make it as believable as, and as understandable as possible, so you don't necessarily have to think, oh yeah, I can understand. Oh yeah, I want Hal to do this, but you can kind of maybe understand why if he would, if this was like. A guy on the edge. Why that might push him over the edge? No, I don't think. I don't. I don't think that's it. I think. I think the whole. I think the beauty of this of these three issues is how City is destroyed. Okay, that's that's you know, he has a lot of ties in Coast City. You know, he, for 
he thinks Carol's dead, right? Ter- Carol and Tom? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think he, I think he finds out in issue 47 that they were alive. Okay, well, regardless, his his city is gone. The city he's responsible for. So you you see a man overcome with grief uh, in these three issues. Um, completely and utterly despairing. And even though he's lost all of this, and he starts heading towards Zoa and going nuts and stuff like that and killing other people, I think you're the entire time you're like, you know... How don't do it. How don't do it. How don't do it. You know, just just calm down. I understand. You know that you've lost your 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 city, but but it's not worth it, man. Don't do this. Just do not. That that that's it right there. That's that's the whole encapsulated feeling you get when you're reading these three issues. I think is how don't do it. Do not do this. And you you just see him fall further and further and further and lose himself. You know, he, you know, he fights these various lanterns and then he fights Boudica, who, you know, super respects him and, and stuff like this. And the Lost Lanterns, which we didn't kind of really mention. They're right. pretty much everybody. Everybody other than Kilowog that he fights right. along the way are, are right. that, the group that, that will be known as the Lost Lanterns. And, and that's what I'm getting at. It's, it's, it's the, the people he faces along the way steadily increases in personal in personal. Uh, you know things. Just him going up against Tomar, and then you, he, you know, Tomar. You know, even his word balloons are all squiggly, and he's weak, and he's saying, "How, how? Do not do this. You know, just don't." And then Kilowog, it's the same thing. And then Kilowog comes back, and then he kills Kilowog. And you know, it's just. And then you, you get to that that end part before he enters the battery, and Hal's like, I, "I'm, I'm, I'm too far gone. I don't. It's, it's too late." You know, and you're and you're you're supposed to feel that despair of the the whole the whole time in these three issues. You're thinking, "How? Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it!" And then once you get to that final part, you're just like, "He's he's, he's done it. He, he there's nothing he can do now." And 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 that's and that and once you get to that point, then you read how validate that point. And I think that's the beauty of these three issues. Whereas if if they had kept that the Guardians killed his father, you could have run the risk of more people empathizing with Hal. More, more so, and I, and I know that the the death of twelve mile, you know, twelve mile diameter city on the coast uh, in California, that that giant of a populace obviously outweighs the death of one man, but not in the eyes of Hal. You know, uh, so to have the city gone. And the guardians responsible for killing his father, you run the risk of 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 the audience sympathizing with Hal. And while while that's you know all well and good, would you really want to trade that for people being as involved with the story as for three issues, pages in hand, going "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it!" They could have, but that could have been that could have been like the big reveal though in issue fifty though. As he the, the thing that finally that completely pushes him over, maybe be even before he got he did you know what happened with Kilowog, that that finally pushes him over. That when there's still when there's still a chance you know there's still a chance that he could come back, but that but he but he find you know that makes it to point in where he realizes everything he's been fighting for basically has been a lie. I know just I understand what you're saying. I I think for some people they they had an issue with the fact that yes Coast City was destroyed. 
And that was his city. He wasn't really in a position to defend it, which I think was part of the problem too, which they could have played up more that he really wasn't, you know, he it's not like he was around, it's not like he was physically there at the time. He basically got there after it was destroyed. So they could have played up that aspect more that he was denied the right or the ability to be in Coast City where he wanted to be when he knew something was wrong, but that the Guardians wouldn't let him. And then look what happened. But I also think that some, some people pointed out that considering that most of the people that were still living in Coast City, even though I guess they kind of went back and forth of whether his brother was destroyed in Coast City or not. I know they've kind of gone back and forth with that. Um, we know Carol wasn't killed. Uh, Tom wasn't killed. That if there was some – see, it's, it, there's two ways of looking at it. You can make a case if there was a more of a personal – like a literally a personal interest in it for him. Then you could almost understand why he'd be willing to throw everything away because of, of because of what he lost, and that would be more of a that would be more logical, more of a logical trigger. Now you could also look at it the other way and say it's somehow more, the it's more noble, if, if you will, to be more because of the fact that he was looking at the big picture and what had happened to the city as a whole, not because of any personal involvement with one person or two people or three people or five. That because he was looking at the injustice in the big picture, that makes it more noble, and, and the fact that it makes it makes him, even though in a way he's clearly being selfish to a certain extent, looking at it from what's important to him, that it makes it still somewhat noble because he's looking at the big picture for the people of Coast City. That not he's just it's not just oh I do care about what happened to Coast City, but you just blew up my girlfriend. You know, you just blew up my best friend, and you don't give me the and and now you, you know these guys won't give me the power to bring them back. So you could kind of look at it either way, as far as but some people I think did have a problem that there seemingly wasn't as much of a there wasn't an absolutely stated personal loss in the city, other than the fact that this was his city and he failed and he couldn't and he wasn't in position to defend it. Hmm. So I was just looking for things that would have made, I guess, in a way from from a writing point of view, I'm just looking at, looking at it from the point of view of making it maybe more of a logical trend. If you're going to jam this into three issues to turn a guy from basically hero to villain or at least anti-hero, let's try to give you as many logical reasons why the guy might, you know, might turn. Right. I, I, I just, I just, I just think that because, you know, you know, I haven't written anything in a good long while and I really want to get back into it, but for God knows what reason I still consider myself a writer, but as a writer, you know, taking that 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 claim with a grain of salt, I I think that that the the uh, connection you gain with your reader by having them so involved with the story that they just follow the despair of a character like that is way more valuable uh, than risking it at the end by having that that uh that justification at the end for his insanity and 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 you just you just made your point so i i mean i i see your side too but I, i'm just kind of reiterating that, that 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 following of don't do it don't do it don't do it uh there's nothing he can do and then having hal himself say there's nothing i can do i've gone too far it's just like it, it's the it's it's the the same way that that you know nothing will ever be the same again that's that's kind of like both the reader and how reaching that point at the same time it's it's done it's over there's nothing you can do we can't go back so i think i think that's i mean i don't know i think i think 
I think if they revealed it, even if they even if they waited till the end to reveal that the Guardians were responsible for his father's death, some people would be like, "Oh, well, that that I mean, uh, you know, then they had it coming." <laughs> so I mean, they 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 still come across, I think, enough of you know, little arrogant blue pricks <laughs> that, that that they are. Uh, especially, especially when Hal made that comment towards the beginning about being a slave, and they're just like, "Well, he's just one of our servants. He's not good enough, you know, to stand against a lot of, you know, something like that." I mean, they they still come across as little blue assholes. Yeah, and you just have, and except for Ganther, who was kind of like, kind of like sounding the alarm all throughout the storyline. Right. So like, well, you 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 might want to rethink this. You know, the tactic that we're using is just is just going to make things worse. And the fact that you know he's pretty much the best of us. So what do you you know? Did you really think these little <laughs> these little things were going to be a problem? Yeah. And even with the Sinestro, with the Sinestro failsafe, the fact that they kind of like almost wanted to refuse, you know. That possibility, the fact that oh oh it'll never come to that. It's like yeah, you want to bet that it's not going to come to that. <laughs> Take a chance. Let's see what happens. Uh, anything else? Um, I don't want. I just don't want to miss something of relevance. Um, because we know a lot. Some of these things, obviously, as we've seen future stories, they kind of explain some of the stuff away or or, or just build or build upon it. Um. Obviously, to me anyway, Parallax looks so much better with his cape. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the cape. I, I, that's one thing I'd be curious about, since since I believe the first time we see him with his cape is in Emerald Fallout when Guy and the Justice League Task Force goes to Oa. I wonder, I, I'd be curious to, to know what the decision was behind the scenes to decide. Okay, let's, let's give him a cape. When obviously that was not critical in their and uh, when they were first coming up with the design. I know one thing uh, Mike McCone hated was uh, was his little. Uh, because Mike McCone did the art for the Emerald Knight, uh, no, for 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 Final Knight, the Parallax special. Oh yeah, the uh, Emerald Knight. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was. It was called. Uh, I was wondering where I was yeah. getting that from. Uh, yes. <laughs> it was called Emerald Knight. So yeah, they were they were working their, their way through the Emeralds. You, you know, the Dawn, yeah. the Twilight. <laughs> yeah. So, so so Mike McCone did the art for that, and I remember talking with Mike at one of the. Uh, it's in it's in one of the uh, interviews for. Uh, for Wizard World Austin, I think it was Wizard World Austin 2012. If you guys are looking for the interview, I spoke with Mike McCone, and he said he hated the shoulder pads. I like the shoulder pads. Well, but he hated the shoulder pads from an artistic point of view. Oh yeah, as, I can understand. As that. far as like posing, how his arms can only go up so high. <laughs> so getting a, a massive cosmic villain like Parallax, as far as power set into dynamic poses without being able to lift his arms over so high <laughs> it was was a nightmare. <laughs> well at least if you look at the original Daryl sketch, at least his the, his shoulder pads are pretty are so high up it looks like he could raise his arms pretty much. Right. <laughs> but but the parallax I mean the, the design for parallax even without the cape was great. Yeah it's pretty it's pretty dynamic. Yeah with but with the cape I mean with the cape it just changed the character though completely. I don't think he would have had as cool a look without the cape. Yeah, but it's it's a great costume design. Yeah, it was so. But the classic pose—that's how I started getting into it. Just the fact how they kind of used that pose back in uh, when they did Rebirth, yeah. in Rebirth Three, I believe, when you get the real story of Parallax. That how they had the when he's got the when he's got his hand raised up there with, with the energy, the emerald energy coming off his hand, and you. Though I kind of always took that to be more symbolic when you have the parallax entity kind of like hugging him. Yeah. 
because obviously the obviously logically the, the entity would have to be in him at that point or else he would have known about it <laughs> right yeah it had to go in him during the absorption of the central power battery and that although one i guess the one other thing i would i would say that kind of always bugs me has always bugged me about emerald twilight it's just the fact that how many times have we heard oh how killed the guardians how killed the entire green lantern corps he really didn't <laughs> He didn't kill the Guardians. The Guardians killed themselves, essentially, when they pulled, when they pulled their energy into Ganthet. They kind of sacrificed themselves. I don't think they were killed because the Central Power Battery was destroyed. I think they, sac- they sacrificed themselves to have to save one Guardian. That was my always my interpret. That was always my interpretation of it. He might as, as he might as well have killed them though, because I mean, if 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 he, and he might have afterwards. Yeah, that's what that that's it, that's my point though. Is I think I think that if they didn't kill themselves before he came out of the battery. He would. He was gonna take him out after, because <laughs> there's no. There's he, he might. Have, yeah, he may very well might have, or he, because he would have had their power and their knowledge, he may have thought they. Well, who cares? They're not gonna do anything anyway. Yeah. Because he knows they don't act, and the fact that um, now I'm not talking about retconning stuff away. The only two Green Lanterns he actually kills in this in this whole storyline are Kilowog and Sinestro. Mm-hmm. And the only one we really care about is that he kills Kilowog. <laughs> I mean, you could justify killing Sinestro eight ways to Sunday if, if you need to. Uh, and yes, the basic concept that Kilowog was trying to explain is true. The fact that, yes, he may have left them power to start with, even though he took their rings, which is why they didn't lose their uniforms. But that energy was going to run out after a while, and especially after you destroy the central power battery, there's going to be no way to re- – even if the Green Lanterns who still have their rings, if, you know, if the, they weren't going to be able to recharge. So he probably was indirectly responsible for killing some. Or putting them in, you know, or at least putting them in a situation where they could be killed. But it just becomes too easy to say. I mean, it always just kind of bothers me. Oh, he's killed. The, he killed the Green Lantern Corps. And he, but I guess it almost becomes like an urban legend. So when you, so when you hear even other Green Lanterns talking about it, like in uh, even during the Sinestro Corps war and the one shot when they're at the mess hall or whatever, and they're, and they're or, in the, or when they no when they were protecting Superboy Prime, I think. That the idea of you know the, oh Hal, that's more Green Lanterns and Hal Jordan killed or whatever. It's like I guess it just become takes on a life of its own, you know. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention how many people died in the universe as a whole as a result of the Green Lantern Corps no longer being around as a result of Hal's actions. Well, that's true too. Yeah, and of course, if you really want, if you really want to talk at per capita, you know, death versus everything else, and you have to, then you go to zero hour. Yeah. <laughs> Though the ultimate the ultimate irony, of course, was that you know, Hal Hal was trying to destroy the old universe to help create a new or a new perfect universe or more than one perfect universe. And at the end of the day, the, all the all the heroes could do anyway was kind of do what Hal wanted anyway was restart the universe. I mean, because they had to restart it, so they did they they did what he was going to do anyway. It just it just kind of all you know, I guess it all kind of turned out the more or less the right way, which is kind of a little unbelievable, but. <laughs> Without that many changes. There were some changes in Zero Hour, but not tons. All right. Anything else? No, I think we covered it all. I hope we covered it all. <laughs> well, let, let us let us know uh, what you guys think. We're not going to do any feedback this episode because it's kind of like a, a special little episode. Um, but, uh, you know, just write in and let us know what you think. Uh, let us know uh, if you read em- Emerald Twilight when it was coming out and what you were thinking about it and... Uh, you know, if you read it after and, and how you feel about Hal. And if you haven't read it, why haven't you? And, you know, all of the above. <laughs> so if people want to contact us, Mark, how do they do that? If they want to contact us, email us, lanterncast at gmail.com. 
That's lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can access our forums, our movie reviews, our blogs, our product reviews. We've been, obviously, Jim and I started the posting episodes of our ring encyclopedia where we're starting to do little YouTube videos related to some of the rings and some of the props and different things that have are ring related. So those are, those have been coming out. So you can check those out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLcast to find us on both. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you'd like us on iTunes, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. Oh, yeah, and now that we're on YouTube now, if you guys are interested and uh, subscribe to various channels on YouTube, look up LanternCast Vids, V-I-D-S, and that is the channel name, and just subscribe to us over there. Sounds excellent. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. was that Green Lantern was floundering. Uh, so one night after work, uh, the editor, Kevin, uh, Kevin Dooley, and his assistant, Eddie Berganza, and Archie Goodwin, and Mike Carlin, and myself, went to an Italian restaurant on 52nd Street and for four hours worked out a new Green Lantern. The thing was the sales were terrible. Yeah. yeah. And then we went back to the office and Kevin made the necessary calls to line up the freelancers and about midnight I got on the E-train and went downtown and it hit the fan because Kevin got so much hate mail. People who loved Hal Jordan. Well, they loved him, but not enough to buy his comic book every right. month. And uh, later, as almost always happened, when, when Chris Claremont killed off one of the X-Men, got hate mail. When uh, uh, Frank Miller killed off Electra, I think he got death threats. Uh, so... Uh, there was a big fuss at first, and the sales went up. So when I agreed to do that novel, the only thing that I had to go on was Green Lantern, any way you want to do it.